The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. All right, it's a uh, busy day here again at Hallows Hall. Jed Hoyer also spoke today at the general manager's meetings. We'll play you some of that coming up at about 5.30. As he talked about uh, the pursuit of Craig Council and um, what he had to do to go down to Florida to inform David Ross that he was out and no longer the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the, the Bears play on Thursday. We talked to Al Michaels about an hour ago. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and if you missed that, you can get that on the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, we will be out tomorrow. It's been an adventurous week. We were in studio yesterday. We're at House Hall today. Tomorrow we're going to be at Twin Peaks in Oakbrook Terrace. You could join us there. It's two to six. Waddle wants me to read the address. It's yeah. Where where how, where do I where do I show up? Seventeen West Seven Forty Four West Twenty Second Street. What coordinates are those? I don't know, but that's the I, way it's I, listed. I feel like I'm in a like a, a fighter jet. And I you're would just the say coordinates in your ways or in your Google Maps. Just put in 17 Twi- West 744 West 22nd Street. No, just put in Twin Peaks Oakbrook Terrace. Okay, and then it will come up where it is. If I'm not there, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out there now. If I'm not there, it's because I couldn't find it. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just going to let you know. If I'm if I'm not there, it's because I couldn't find it. I have faith in you. Okay. I I, I and then on Thursday we're going to be at uh, Soldier Field. I have no idea how to get there either. I know so. you don't. I don't. I have no idea. Uh, Courtney Cronin joins us right now here at Hallis Hall. She's brought to you by Purple Wave Auction. What is going on here? Just another, you know, pretty busy day. It's the whole short week thing, because it's our second time doing this in the last five weeks. Everything's just so condensed. And, you know, today I don't know what more you really learned about Justin Fields and the thumb other than they had a walkthrough. I mean, the only big positive takeaway for this team off the injury report is that Cole Komet went from DNP to full. And that's an estimation because they didn't practice. They just had walkthrough, but that's a good sign because apparently he uh, he had a knee injury in the Saints game. But, yeah, I mean, it's the importance that's on this game. And it's not stuff that players and coaches are going to talk about right now, given the draft positioning and all of that, but just the ante that gets upped when you have a team that you have to beat. If you really want that draft pick to be where it is right now, which is currently sitting at number two, what's on this game in like how much is on the line just with one win or one loss and potential draft positioning is pretty significant. But tomorrow we should hear from the quarterbacks. I'm curious how they're going to do it because if, you know, Fields practiced today, he was limited, but he practiced. So are they going to try to roll Tyson Bajan out? Are they going to roll Justin Fields out to kind of keep this thing looking like Fields might be playing? Or are they just going to go in on Wednesday and say, look, he's he's questionable or he's doubtful or he's out? Um, I What's still, your best guess? I I don't think he plays. I don't think that it's the smart decision right now when you have 10 days in between the Thursday night game and Detroit in uh, week 11. And they don't, if you don't have a full practice, I mean, you know, with the walkthroughs, how much are you really getting through to be able no. to test the thumb? No, I, I, listen, if you can't cut it loose and throw every, make every throw, it, I, I guess my question to you would be also from what you've seen, 
have there been just lob throws? Have there been you know throws with velocity? Can what's it look like to you? I guess is the best way to ask. I only saw him on Friday because he didn't do a pregame warm okay. up. Or I was I thought he might in New Orleans, but he didn't. He didn't dress out um, or even go out there for warm ups. But he, you know, the touch on the ball. I mean, he's. He's throwing routes on air, and there were some pretty deep balls, and Darnell Mooney told me that it looked like normal. Mm -hmm. But how much can you really tell if that's normal with the glove? And, you know, he still has pain. As of Friday, when I talked to him about, like, being able to grip the ball, he said it's still somewhat painful to do that. I imagine that's something that he's just going to have to work through, which, you know, there's probably nobody tougher than, than Justin Fields at doing that. But if that's going to affect the touch on the football and how it comes off his hands, sure. if it's flapping at any point, like that's, you can't have that. So I'm I, not suggesting yeah. either Courtney, that he's one of these guys that will make a business decision because mm-hmm. I think he's young. He's, he is a competitor. He wants to play, but he can't afford to go out there oh. if he's not, you I think know, he should make a business decision. I'm with you. I'm with like, you. That's, you know, if, if you think about what's at stake for him yes. beyond this season, let's say that the Bears either already have their mind made up or they are leaning towards regardless drafting a quarterback in 2024. He can't afford to put bad film no. out the next eight, nine games, however many there are left in the season. Like He has to put his best foot forward, his best hand forward mm-hmm. um, right. to make sure that it, it doesn't look like he regressed and that this thumb was you know, hindering his play and how you do that is by giving yourself enough time to heal. I mean, he's already passed the hurdle. He didn't have to have surgery. Like that was right. a major milestone, but it's it's not like he's coming back. And I know that we've made I've made a lot about wow, they better win because of the draft positioning with Carolina. It's not like he's coming back to a team that's trying to like lock up a playoff spot. Like they're right. two and seven. Right. And and then like that's that's what I mean not only for his sake too is like and I agree everything. That's what I've been saying. If I'm him, I want to put the best tape out there to impress the Bears or to impress the league. And if I'm the Bears, I also don't want him coming back when he's still nursing a thumb and trying to gut through it because I want him to show me exactly what he can do. Here's your, like, it's Justin's last stand, basically. This is it. And it's kind of, and like, I I made the comp uh, er, yesterday about the David Ross and, and Craig Council thing. David Ross wasn't going to get fired. And Justin Fields, I don't believe, if they don't have the early draft picks, would be replaced. I would think you would still go on with Justin Fields as your quarterback. The only reason we're talking about replacing Justin Fields is because there could be the better option Mm -hmm. of that draft pick. And so because of that, you need him to show you I could be better than what's out there with those picks, or I'm not. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Bears, too, I want to get a real good snapshot in these six or seven games that he can play. And there's certain areas you're going to look at. Um, you know, Tyson Bajant's taken about a sack a game. I think it was two in that first uh, game against Minnesota. But, you know, do those sack numbers go – like when Justin comes back, when he's healthy – do those sack numbers go up? In those end-of-half situations, what is his success rate in those moments? Where are the turnovers? What about the fourth quarter? Like, that's 
that's what you can tell. Like, is it a product of the offense or is it a product of the quarterback? And I know that we had this conversation when Tyson Bajant was going in for his first start against the Raiders and how you've seen the operation in moments look different with him under center. And I know even Luke Getze talked about this today. Like, there are times where he's really good at getting rid of the ball very quickly. And that's a strength of his that Fields, who is a playmaker who can make plays happen in different ways, that might not be his first inclination to go that route but like you're gonna when he's healthy they need to see him at full strength be able to operate the way that he was on pace and getting there before he got hurt to see okay is it is it the quarterback or is it the offense because then they're gonna have their true answer on it yeah and like I, I was looking at the injury report too and you mentioned it he was limited today it's an estimation, mm-hmm. but like, what would what what is he limited? Why wouldn't he be full? What can't he the still grip strength. do? So I mean, still, like, if we're talking about two days before a game, yes. that he still not wouldn't be able to fully participate even in a practice. What are we talking about then? Even thinking about talking about practice, practice. we're talking about <laughs> practice. What are we even thinking that he could play then on Thursday? And, and that's like just the logical part of it. I understand the competitive advantage the Bears believe that they have here, but it's also like the faith that they're trying to you know get him up to speed. They need him back at practice. They need you know even if they knew he like if they know in their heart of hearts that he's not ready to go, they want to see how much he can push it this week to then see how much of a load he can take on starting next Wednesday when they're preparing. for for Detroit, but you know, if the he has to be able to grip the football because ball security, as we know, is the like premier problem with like some of his issues with the turnovers. With you know, you can't afford to have if you're not holding on to it in the right way because you can't physically the strip sack fumbles, the interceptions. If the ball like leaves his hand and it's you know floating away that it shouldn't be because it's not. I don't know. I mean, there's just. It's common sense that he should not be playing, but they're also trying to get him gradually to a point where that limited goes from limited to full, and it's a true full, and he's not dealing with any sort of residual effects of it. I, look, I wouldn't be shocked if he was questionable or didn't play against Detroit. Like, I, I mean, it's the thumb on your throwing hand of a quarterback. Like, nothing will surprise me, totally surprise me with regard to the timing mm-hmm. of, of him. But again, I just reiterate what we've all said. Like, if I'm him, I'm not coming back if... If I can't drop back and rip every single throw on the on the, the route tree, I, I mean, it does me no good. It does the team no good to be out there. What was the um, – you you mentioned us off the air about uh, – is there a comment that has some fans riled up about what Luke Getze said? Yeah, so I, was, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but like – we were talking with Luke today, and we got a little bit, I guess, further clarification this afternoon talking with Andrew Janoko. I'm just pulling it up on my Twitter right now. So it didn't sound, at least the way that Getze was positioning it, that the offense would change. I mean, if, you're, if you are truly thinking you've got two quarterbacks who you have to come up with a game plan for, um, you know, who, you know, which one you're going to change certain plays for. And Getzey was making it sound like, said it's not going to feel like it's a different game plan by any means if we go with one in one direction or the other. And I don't know. I feel like that – what else is he supposed to say? Like, yeah, we're going to run all of these certain plays like that you see for Justin Fields if Justin's playing. We're going to run everything that we've been doing with Tyson the way that – you're not going to give Carolina any sort of advantage there. But I also think the nuance in there – 
there's certain plays that are meant for Justin Fields. There are certain plays that are meant for Tyson Bajant, and that's always going to be the case. They're, they are not the same quarterback. And even in talking with Andrew Janoco today, when we were talking, I asked him about just like, did he learn anything from Tyson's scrambling ability and what he saw from him in New Orleans. And the biggest takeaway he had was how he protected himself and protected the football in those moments, knew when to slide. He's obviously not going to be trying to do it like Justin Fields, who is clearly elite in that area of his game, but it's, I just, I think that there's, there's nuance in there that matters because of course it's not the exact same game plan from one quarterback to another. They did run a lot of read option though. With, the, in with the RPO, yeah, yeah. in the RPOs, especially in the yeah. first half, like that's, if Bajan's going to stay in this game, I, and like if he's going to stay in and start on Thursday, I think you see a lot more of that, but it's it's also you have to worry about if Justin when Justin is able to play if not I, I'm already putting out of my mind that it's Thursday that it's not Thursday that you have to figure are there certain plays that he might not be up to speed yet to make be, certain throws because yeah. of the thumb and you know they're going to tailor those things I just I was very surprised by how frustrated that answer made seemed to make some fans I think that's how it is today yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's yeah. in their corner fighting for their quarterback you know and it's no it doesn't seem like anyone's Bears fans anymore they're fans of a particular quarterback yeah. Montez Sweat got what, like forty-one percent of the snaps against the Saints, or was it a little bit higher than that? Or do you expect that 42 number? Forty-two snap, forty-two snaps total. I think there was a total of because they ran a lot of hurry up, so okay. I think it was in the sixties. But no, I mean, I, I, I kind of was surprised on four days that he was already thrown. He that he played as much as Unique Yakwe yeah. did, yeah. and. If this... People forget that he's a human being still. He's not a robot. <laughs> a week earlier, he was in Washington. He's yeah. moving from Washington to learning Chicago, learning a new – Yeah, so I mean, like, I wouldn't jump to any conclusions, good, bad, or indifferent, about Montez Sweat after one week. No, I think what you saw in New Orleans was the potential. Like, there are times where he was collapsing the pocket from his end. The rush isn't getting home, though, as a, yeah. as a collective unit, and – I'll give his agents credit for this because when you think about the players that he's playing with up front, they have 10 sacks total. That was before he got here. It has not changed since you know the one game he's been here. His value was probably going to end up going down had he gotten to the free free agent market. And uh, you know, I thought it was smart for him to get he he reset the market for guys with no pro bowls and guys who have not generated double-digit sack seasons at $24.5 million. And Rashawn Gary, who's right below him, doesn't have either of those things either. But the timing of it was impeccable from a leverage standpoint. The one thing that's driven me nuts this week, though, and I've seen you know Michael Lombardi talk about this and a bunch of other you know national analysts who have criticized the Bears for giving up a 2024 second-round pick. You need that pick next year. Um, you could have just gotten him in free agency. Free agency means the player gets to decide to go where he wants to go. Do you guys remember his answer to my question about Atlanta last week? That was a place of interest. The man is from Georgia. He wanted to play down there. There's a reason that that team kept popping up. Who's to say he leaves Washington that, you know, obviously the Bears are going to have other priorities in the offseason. It's not like they're going to throw $30 million at him as a pass rusher, especially if his value would have gone down. So wait a Who's second, to say no, he wouldn't have gone to Atlanta anyway? You're like, telling me that this place with the 10 sacks <laughs> and the, the five wins in two years isn't appealing to top-level players? Um, it's just like, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm so appalled at like some of the logic that's out there about, like, you know. He wouldn't have seen free agency no, because if Atlanta would have yeah. landed him, they would, they have, would extended have extended him, him anyway. Yes. But like the thought that like 
oh, he was just going to get to free agency anyways in 2020. It was never, the, that was never logical. The, that was not going to happen. The only, the only flip side that I understand is because I don't love I, – like the way I put it is, like you said about nuance, I, I like having Montez Sweat on the Bears. I don't like giving up yeah, early you want your second round pick. Second so, round pick. so like it, it's like this this poll here. Um, it, to me, should it be Montez Sweat or bust? Like, is he that type of player where you've got to push in all your chips? Here's this money. Here's this pick. Is he a good enough? This isn't Julius Peppers. This isn't one of these top players of today where you're saying I gotta get get this guy, and if not this guy, it's no one. And I know most of the top guys don't reach free agency mm-hmm. anyone anyway. Sure. But there still would have been somebody else that you could have acquired and you could have drafted. Well, that was that's the only flip side in my. He's twenty seven. Pass rushers enter their prime around twenty eight, twenty nine. So you're hedging that he's about to get to the best point of his career, and you paid for the right to be able to pay him. Right. I think fans complain every time that. You know, they complain about an overpay every single time. And, you know, smart fans are looking at the salary cap situation, knowing that there's a threshold this team has to hit, but also wondering, okay, well, what is that going to prevent them from doing going forward? The smartest thing that they did here is they, pres- they, they signed him. They signed him, but they also have their franchise tag. Yeah. For for Jalen Johnson, right. if they want to use it, and I think just kind of hearing some of his comments the last couple of days, he's very realistic that that's probably the route that they're going to have to go, um, the route that he's going to have to go because he will have no choice at that point. But from a front office business perspective, was it aggressive? Absolutely. Is it reckless? I don't know if I'm. Gonna, I, I just don't see that because in the way that Ryan Poles gave the offense DJ Moore to get the best evaluation there. He did the same thing for this defense that he's, I mean, did he go after Javon Hargrave? Did he go after the big names in free agency for the D-line? No, but he did add. He spent a lot of resources. He went drafted two defensive tackles who should be playing more. Yeah. Um, but he, it's it's the same logic there that if you want a true evaluation of this defense um, in an area you haven't been able to fix, you had to go back to the well, and that was their best option like their their best option. That wasn't just like oh, it was like a B option or a C option. No, he was the best for, uh, pass rusher available via trade at the deadline, and that's what they did. And that's also going to be an evaluation on Matt Eberflus too. It's like, look, I gave you another Ferrari because I think you guys are. Think- they still really evaluating him though. I think that that's the way at least you have to look at it from like the outside perspective of just like for the now and for the future because it'll it'll be able to give you, I guess, kind of the confirmation. Um, you know, the confirm, not confirmation bias. What's the word I'm looking for here? It'll confirm the validation what you the- already, what you may already know about this defense, the scheme. And if it doesn't actually work in today's NFL, it with a player like this, if you can't get production, the good thing about sweat is, well, look, it was a high price to pay. I mean, that's just reality. It cost you a second. You paid him as a top five pass rusher. Uh, for a guy that isn't elite now, two years from now, he won't be in the top five. You know, that's just the way that the, the wheel turns. He may be bottom, you know, you know, seven, eight, nine. He may even fall out of top ten. Who knows? It was a stiff price. To pay. You're also paying for flexibility because if, in fact, you do make a coaching change, he can fit pretty much every defense mm-hmm. that anybody would come in here and run. So 
They're a better football team with him. Would you have liked to pay less? Absolutely. Sure. But they're a better football team with him. And as you said, this also allows you, if you have to, to put the franchise tag on Jalen Johnson, who is also a guy that makes you a better football team. So I love that they signed yeah. him. Like yeah. no, I'm not complaining it's... one bit about them signing him. Because yeah. once you made that deal, you had to sign him. Yeah. I'd be complaining if they didn't sign him. Yeah. Once they got him, they had to sign him. No, so, I mean, the timing I, was the yeah. smartest for both sides to get it done and – you know, yeah, the nuclear option is if, I mean, who knows? Chase Young might be a rental for he San Francisco I, I, 49ers. I, yeah, I feel like, they're, like they're, they don't have the ability to no, pay No, and him. that's that's because they're a championship team, mm, yeah. and they can go ahead and do that. Here, that would be just like the absolute worst-case scenario. So, I I mean, God, it's been, like, that was a week ago tomorrow. It yeah. feels like that was a month ago, but yeah. that just shows you kind of like everything that's been going on with this team now. We're... Truly at the halfway point of the season. We don't know who the day one starter is at quarterback next year. And there's still not eight games to go. Like it's- well, you mentioned two names that I, I thought were really interesting names. I, I believe Pickens and Dexter, mm-hmm. they, they had 14 and 11 snaps. I don't know yeah. who had whatever Dexter it was. had 14. Yeah, and I thought you asked the question, was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. And it was, it, I was dialed in on, on the same thought. Why are they not? You've got a rookie starting at cornerback. You've got an undrafted rookie that you brought in at quarterback that you were willing to turn the thing over to. Why aren't those two guys getting more snaps? The oftentimes, at least that I've noticed, when you are covering losing teams, and there comes a certain point where you make front office decisions to be able to get an evaluation on players and coaches. I remember even last year, like we, you can never get a straight answer out of coaches, like do you want to get a look at this guy? Mostly because it means that you've already kind of punted on the season and you're trying to get an evaluation for next year. What Flew said yesterday was probably about the most honest, like that I've heard a coach hear. Like he, I've heard a coach say something about that. Like, no, we love those guys. We want to get a look at them. We've been trying to, it's, we want to play them more because they have to. Justin Jones probably isn't on this team next year because they've either made an aggressive move in free agency for another three technique or one of these two are able to take over that role. You use two day two picks on these right. defensive tackles. You have to I want to see them. him. And, and I hope it's not because the coach is coaching for his own you know, job security at this point. That decision needs to be made. If that's what's going on, it needs to be made above him. And I think that's always the, that's the hard balance from a front office decision yeah. thing and from – you know, everything else that goes on with the coaching staff. Because coaches will never be – they'll never make those decisions for next year because a lot of times when we're having these conversations, it's always the coaches who might be at risk of not being there. Like, I'll never forget in Green Bay, my last year covering Minnesota, so, like, they got knocked out of the playoffs week 17. Um, they lost up there. And I asked Zim after the game, I was like, do you – you know, there's nothing to play for really. Like, do you want to get a look at Kellen Mond the next week? And he's like, not really. And my, my really? jaw wow. – I, I, we all had masks on at that point. I was glad I did because my jaw dropped. And I was like, why not, Mike? I remember And that he video. said, I see him every day in practice. Yeah. And so, like, you never get that sort of honesty when it comes to the the personnel decisions for a team that is out of it. But, to, but like, it – it does this team no service to not play those two when they spent so much to get them in terms of draft capital and knowing that those two, regardless of what the coaching staff, what anything looks like beyond this year, those two have to figure into their plans. Maybe they're bargaining. Maybe Flus is like, look, I will play those two when you take Valus Jones off my <laughs> roster. 
I, I, okay. So like we had this talk today. So there's, you know, what Richard Hightower said in this earlier today about how he's like, that's unacceptable. The face mask penalty. Um, that's, this has been somebody who has stood on the table for Valus every single time there has been a blunder or, you know, a mistake, something that has been self-inflicted based on just his ability. And this is the first time you, you heard Hightower say that. And I just wonder... Because obviously, if anybody was going to get cut or anything like that, like just we talked about this, I think previously with Claypool, Tuesday is the day that the game check comes in. So like it's from a financial standpoint, it w- any sort of thing should happen by Tuesday. They've got those three guys, and I believe it's their last three elevations that they can make off injured reserve with Herbert Blackwell and Equinemia St. Brown. If and when any of those three, we know Herbert will be back at some point. That could be a roster yeah. spot. And many, that's just that's just that's I'm I'm not reporting that. I'm just no, saying that right. that's like it the logic sense. thing, and it makes sense because at that point you've given you've now given him opportunity after yep. opportunity, and in a one score game, I think I tweeted it in the moment because it was an incomplete pass, but it should have been a fumble. Like you can't just keep getting by and getting lucky. You can't, Courtney. Great stuff. Thank, Thank you, you, Courtney. Yes, Courtney it. Cronin brought to you by Purple Wave Auction. Jed Hoyer spoke today. He talks about how hard it was to let go of David Ross and then hiring Craig Council. You'll hear that from the general manager's meeting coming up next. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Joniak just peeked his head in. He's going to join us on Thursday from the booth for for our show. Isn't he all wound up on game day? Yeah, well, he's wound up today. Can you tell he's caffeinated? Yeah, but I mean like wound up. He had a smile on his face today. My guess is is on game day he's wound up, but there's not really a smile on his face. He's all business. You know what? He's been more relaxed before the game. Like at least they smoking joints or something. No, I don't. No, no, don't say that. I asked. Not that I didn't say he did. There's anything wrong with that? It's illegal. It was a question. It wasn't a proclamation. No, Uh, I don't. I don't think that's his thing. I don't think that's. That's his thing at all. I don't know. I've never really gone out socially with Jeff Joniak, but I'd like to. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You've never been out I with don't Jeff. think so. Oh, wow. I don't think so. Um, all right. So uh, th- that's that on Thursday. And don't forget, tomorrow we're going to be at Twin Peaks in Oak Brook Terrace. So come out and see us in Oak Brook Terrace from 2 to 6. You know, I want to play, before the waiver wire, I want to play a couple of uh, Jed Hoyer sound bites. From earlier today, we had Jesse Rogers on. If you missed his head, you can get that on the ESPN Chicago uh, app on the podcast, but this is Jed did meet the media for the first time since they did pry away through free agency. Cause remember he was a free agent, Craig council. And then they did a shockingly fire David Ross. So why don't we go there first guys? Let's play that third bite. And uh, here's Jed Hoyer talking about his conversation with David Ross. I mean, the details that I want to keep between us, but um I mean, as expected, he was, you know, amazingly respectful. Um, you know, I've been been with him a little bit in Boston way back when, and then, you know, for quite a while here. And, you know, the, the hardest part, you know, when I think about his tenure and um, sort of what he went through is that, like, we've had a lot of really tough moments together. You know, um, COVID was a bizarre year. I thought he handled that really well. You know, year two, 
Uh, we got we got out of the gates pretty well, but then we ended up faltering, and you know we end up you know selling the whole core, and you know having to deal with him on a day to day basis when we just traded all those guys away was was really hard. You know, really difficult to do that. And I mean, he was a great partner through all that. And so um, you know, like I said, we've been through a lot together. Um, obviously, it was a very hard emotional conversation, but um, I think the world of him. I think he's got an amazingly bright future. Um, he'll clearly land on his feet and have a great career in this game for a long time but there was obviously like a suddenness uh, to all of this that was um, unavoidable but but uh, unfortunate here uh, Hoyer talks about how he had a responsibility to uh, himself and to the Cubs as a team yeah I, I, just, I just believe that's my responsibility you know I think you know I think that's the job that Tom has given me and you know, um, I feel like I, I learned a lot from Theo going back to, you know, being with him in two, you know, from the very, very beginning when he was 28 years old and, you know, 29 years old and trading, trading the, you know, franchise shortstop for, you know, a couple guys that are good on defense. Like, I just think that that's the, that's the job, you know, you have to be willing to take, you know, um, take risks and you have to be willing to make really hard and unpopular decisions. And, um, I mean, I, I have had to make a lot of those decisions, um, and ultimately, like what I always try to, what I always try to get to a point of is like, if it's a really hard decision, and I'm willing to make it, then I feel like that means that like I'm doing the right thing for the organization, right? Is that you know, yes, it was incredibly hard to let Rossi go. I felt like it was my responsibility to the organization to do that. And that's why I can sit here and say, like, yeah, I think Rossi's a very capable manager. He's going to have a really bright future. I, I thought the best thing for this fan base was the move that I made. And it was hard. And it was really hard. But, like, I think that's why Tom hires me. I think that's good stuff. Yeah. He, he, he cited the Nomar trade. If you remember back when Theo was a young general manager in 2004, Nomar is the face of that team, and then they traded Nomar to the Cubs. And, and, and sure enough, they won the World Series that year. Um, I'm sure this wasn't an easy thing for Jed to do, but he did the right thing for the organization. And that's what he's saying. Like, sometimes the hardest things are the right things to do, and the unpopular things are the right things. Um, how will this impact the offseason? Like, a lot of people are thinking, well, now the Cubs are open for spending. So Jed was asked how the Craig Council move will impact the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about, about you know, our direction and where we're going and like actually then our, our building process. And um, I sold, certainly sold Craig on that really hard, but, you know, not only the, the core of players we have on the team, but also um, the young players we have that are sort of like on the, kind of on, mounted on the border, so to speak. And then I also feel like, you know, we have you know, financial flexibility. So um, I believe in that and I, I don't think that, we signaled that we're going to have some you know, crazy aggressive offseason, uh, but certainly, um, like I said, I really, I really like our position. And you know, if there are moves, even big moves, that that will help us, you know, continue that trajectory, we'll definitely do it. But I don't think it's a signal that like somehow we're going to have the the biggest and boldest offseason. If we do, it's because things lined up for us. And then that's maybe because Otani says yes to them. That's be that'd be pretty damn big and bold. Yeah, right. I think that that dictates like the the bold, right? 
Like, that automatically makes you spend $500 million. Right, yeah. I mean, if that happens, then yes, you went big and bold. Before we get to uh, Meller's waiver wire, I want to play you one more, because a lot of people have called about this. What about Craig Council's uh, lack of postseason success? He has a sub-500 record. I think if you looked at most managers, too, I don't think a lot of managers have this above-500 postseason record. Some do. Unless you're Bruce Bochy. Yeah, but Bruce Bochy, because... It's usually he makes the postseason and wins the World Series, or he doesn't. Right. Um, so here's uh, here's uh, Jed talking about uh, his postseason record for Craig Council. It's really hard because I look at um, we just we kind of just talk, talk about it. Like, do I think that they had teams that were capable of going really far in the playoffs? I, I do. Like, I thought their 22 team was um, no, excuse me, 21 team was was a really really good team that you know lost in the first round. Like, I just don't. To me, um, the greatest sign of a of a really good manager is his ability to navigate the marathon. I think that the sprint um, is really hard. I know that's where how managers make the Hall of Fame. You know, is by you know winning a couple World Series, and and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that um, you know what's happened over a dozen or so games. I don't think overshadows all those all those different seasons. You know, I mean, this year, you know. I thought they had a really good team, and their, you know, their, the backbone of their team kind of, kind of got broken when Wood, when Woodruff went, went down at the wrong time. Then Corbin Burns had a bad start at the wrong time, you know, in in, in twenty one, you know, in twenty eighteen they went to the they went to the LCS and you know lost in a game seven. So I, I don't that didn't mean that's not even a not even a factor, you know. Um, plenty of uh, there's plenty of great athletes that people wonder if they can win. You know, because you know, Jordan Manning were questioned at one point, right? And um, so I don't think that has anything to do with his skills as a manager. So interesting reference. You talked about Peyton Manning's postseason record. And then Michael Jordan, remember, the first seven years never went to the NBA Finals. Yeah. Uh, so really good stuff there. It's it's weird to hear Jed Hoyer defend, defend some of the uh, Brewers' postseason teams. That's weird to hear. Um, so that's uh, from today. Uh, really good stuff from Jesse Rogers. We appreciate all his work from the general manager's meetings. Let's get right now to the Meller waiver wire to improve your fantasy team. We're getting towards the playoff time. Got to get that roster tuned up. It's brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Tullamore, Tullamore, Tullamore Dew. You know it's Sylvie. Week 10 waiver wrap-up for the folks out there who need a little bit of help. I got uh, basically one guy at each position, maybe two. If you need some wide receiver help, Tank Dell. He's still available in about 50% of leagues, and you saw what C.J. Stroud is capable of. And I think the Houston Texans are going to continue to rely on the passing game because they can't seem to run the ball. And now that they've seen this from C.J. Stroud, Tank Dell definitely will be a beneficiary. If If he's already gone in your league, Noah Brown. Is probably third in the pecking order after Nico Collins as well. But Noah Brown had six catches for 153 yards. So I think he's worth grabbing if Tank Dell is already scooped up. If you need some running back help, Keaton Mitchell of the Ravens had 138 yards on nine carries this week. Gus Edwards is still the lead back in the primary goal line carrier. But Keaton Mitchell, he showed some explosive ability. So he's worth grabbing in deeper leagues if you need some tight end help. Taysom Hill is still available in 60% of leagues. He now has four touchdowns in his last three games, and that does not include the passing touchdown that he had as well. And he's like a cheat code. You get to use him at the tight end spot. So Taysom Hill is a must-add if you need a tight end. 
Kyler Murray has been activated off of injured reserve. I'm sorry, off the pup list for the Cardinals. And so, if you need a quarterback, he's somebody who is worth a stab. If you need someone to bet, uh, stash Ty Chandler of the Minnesota Vikings. He's a burner, but with the Cam Akers injury, I think he might see an increased role as the season continues to progress because I don't think Alexander Madison is really a great running back, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Ty Chandler sees a little bit of an increased role as the season progresses. And then finally, Superflex Leagues, Carson Wentz has been signed oh boy. by the Rams. So listen, in Superflex, all quarterbacks, basically anyone who's starting should be owned. Carson Wentz may get a crack at the Rams job, so go ahead and add him today if you need some quarterback help. Wasn't signed all year. I know. And then now he's going to start a game? But here's the thing. In super flex leagues where you can start two quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, we know know he can can, uh, run up some stats for you, even if he will throw interceptions or fumble the ball. Good stuff. Uh, There's Meller brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Let's cross talk with Bleck and Abdallah. That's coming up next, and that's brought to you by Steinhoffels. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Been a fun show out here at uh, Hallis Hall today. Tomorrow we'll move to the Burbs and uh, we'll be in Oakbrook Terrace. So from the north, northern Burbs to the western Burbs. We'll uh, head to Oakbrook Terrace, and we'll be at Twin Peaks. Meet us there tomorrow from 2 to 6 as the road show continues. Black and Abdallah join us from They're the old National the studio Bank giggling. Studio. I see yeah. them having a good, well, good, no, you good know giggle. What? I, I said, oh, yeah, because uh, when you said uh, the Twin Peaks at Oakbrook Terrace, I, I would say all of the locations are fine locations, uh, but our fans show out to that location. Mm-hmm. More fans, than Warrenville. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but Oakbrook yeah, Terrace, Oak Brook guys, Terrace it, is the biggest. Yeah, uh, people draw. show up for, yeah. for events that we throw there. Do you know what uh, the address is there? No, not off the top. It's a lot of, of numbers and letters. You know, why? I, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time in Oakbrook, and so yeah. like uh, going out to the mall out there. So I don't need the directions. I just I know where to go. Right down, you drive past the mall, you go by the old Dicka's place, you go over. Uh, you Dicka. know, it's, you know where it is. It's and right then there. it's on the right side there. Yeah, right side of the right. street. Boom, uh-huh. right there. I believe it's in the parking lot of a Home Depot. Yeah, just look for the mountains. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah we know where it is. Head for the mountain. No, that's true. That's what the logo is. I think is. there's a Starbucks on the yeah. left-hand side of the street over there. Yeah, I, I know the area well. You the, got the whole thing oh, yeah. scoped out well, for we, us. We play golf out there sometimes. Yeah. You go to the mall out there. I, oh, yeah. They, I mean, but... It is a great area. People show up to those events, and I would guess one Chauncey will probably be yeah. there. Chauncey always comes out now. Will Chauncey be there? Yeah. That's a good I question. So. I like I spending a little bit of time yeah. with Chauncey. Signed some autographs. Last time he set up See? a table and he started signing some <laughs> autographs. $5 See, a piece. He That's started what you signing copies of Jesse's book. We were, uh, the <laughs> all those show, autographs, they smelled like bait, though. The last show that we hosted with Eddie Jackson, <laughs> Chauncey was there. And, <laughs> and in the first commercial Jack. break, I made an announcement. Everyone, by the way, this is Chauncey from Chauncey's Girl Outdoors. And he had his, you know, Eddie Jackson has a line of people asking for autographs. Chauncey had his own line there. Yeah, of course, of course he did. He was. It's awesome. <laughs> he also tried to. At the time, Chauncey had as many tackles as Eddie. Yeah. No, he didn't. Well, 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 that's because he's a fisherman. Yes. That's right. Bait and tackle. Tackles. Tackles. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Woo! 
I see what he did there. <laughs> You're going to get a four hours of that nonsense tomorrow out there in Oak Brook. <laughs> How are the vibes at uh, House Hall? Short week? We're in the basement. We don't win. get any vibes. No, you see we things. Are. You I walk things. around more than him, though. I walk where, where do you go? You go to the in, toilet around right. the corner. I was up in Poles' office earlier today. I bet you were. Waddle, have checked you out tried, the coach's wing. I want Waddle to try to go to see how far he can go. I can get yeah, in there. You until can go he's far denied. Until that's he's, a good. Until someone's like, hey, who are you? And you're like, Tom Waddle. Jacket. That's who. Tom yeah. Waddle. Just wear the jacket and see how far into the building you can get. That yeah. would be a great thing. Like, if, we put a GoPro, <laughs> if we put a GoPro on Waddle yeah. and just said, walk like you belong and see <laughs> until they stop you. Until they just, go, hmm. And just say, hey, how you doing? And then just keep walking upstairs. Yeah, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not no. you're not stealing any secrets. You're just, just go for a just walk. walk until someone goes. Well, if I had a GoPro on my head, you? I would be filming. Well, stuff. no, I think you can just hold your phone like in your hand, no, like not like filming, but just kind of like you know, just you hitting camera. Him, yeah. yeah. yeah just I, I gotta be honest with goes. you guys. Based on what's transpired recently, I don't want to see what's behind those closed doors. <laughs> they're, <laughs> not, they're not going to be <laughs> around. They're not going to be around next year. Really? It's fine. I'm not. No, no, no. They are not. Oh. I just said, I'm not going to be around there. Just go into Eberflus' office and just start measuring things. Waddle, do you think you could get to the weight room? Do you think you could uh, pump some iron? Uh, no, I don't. could I pump some iron? Yeah. Why, what would? Why do? What do I? Why would, why would I want to do that? There, he's in there working. Just out. get a workout, yeah. coach. He's got, he's got a cigarette. That would be a great bit, Black. Where every 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 week we're here. We ask the fans, pick a place you yeah. want Waddle to try to get to today. <laughs> and then we have one fan who guesses if he will get there, and one fan who bets on that he won't get there. And then and Waddle tries to get to that place. He's in the cold tub with all of his clothes on. <laughs> I think that'd <laughs> be like, a lot of fun. Hey, <laughs> Does it, can this happen between two and six? Yeah, yeah, why not? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't think your trip's going to last very long. Oh, you never know. I don't think he gets stopped. I don't think. I never know. I think if he, I think mm. if he walks with it, you know he'd walk right out the doors. Yeah. And he'd drive home he'd and he'd drink at Scotch yeah. at 2.30. Where'd Waddle go? Oh, yeah. I you get Waddle? Guilty. Oh, he's home. Guilty. I, I thought I'd check and see if I could leave the parking lot. <laughs> I go right up to George's office and sit down and talk to him. Yeah. Well, that you could do. I'm saying, like, can you get into the bowels? Can you get into the I am, We are in the bowels. Yeah, no, but yeah like, you are. The part yeah, you're in the basement. The yeah. part that the <laughs> average the reporter the can't get to. I think where, where you do you want to go? I want you to, I mean, there's, a, there's an empty defensive coordinator's office. <laughs> I think there's probably a camera in there now. <laughs> that, that might have been the problem. <laughs> I want to see you in the weight room. No, you don't. I want you to pick up a dumbbell. No, dumbbell. you don't. Just try to take a Do shower. Do some lifts. No. I want to see what yeah. you... Yeah, right. Hey, hey guys, I'm here for my shower. What can you squat compared to what, like, Tevin Jenkins can squat? Get on the squat rack. The whole team's lifting. Here comes like, yeah, come on. It's like one of those college hype videos where hey, everybody's in the weight room. Bro, can you give me a spot? Uh, hey, bro. 
So good. Spot me. Then you, you guys would be visiting me at the Lake Forest Hospital afterwards. <laughs> you know what? You wouldn't visit me, but I'd be calling you from Lake Forest Hospital afterwards. I would afterwards. visit you. BS. I'd visit you. BS. I'd visit him. You yeah. just asked me to go upstairs and be accosted by Bear Security. No, not accosted. You just know Bear No, no, no. They, they, would, uh, they would be All I'd have bed. to do is make one phone call. Know. I could get to where All I you got to do be. is say, where I'm looking for the bathroom. And then they, they, they just assume. <laughs> You're lost. What is this, a mall? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. It's not strangers it's, walking it's around. It's practically a spirit Halloween store at this point. What does that even mean? <laughs> I get it. Well, somebody, yeah, somebody, somebody gets, gets it. it. What's a spirit Halloween? It's gone. It's empty oh, now. Oh, I got you. It's what they put in empty It's like stores. the mall in Cleveland that we used to hang out yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. All right, boys. Good stuff. See you later. See you guys. All right. Buck and Abdallah coming up next. I just got kicked out. Thank you for uh, Jesse Rogers today. Uh, also, Courtney Cronin. Thank you for Jesse Rogers. Thank you for Jesse Rogers. Thank you for Jesse. Tyler, thank you for Jesse. Uh, we also had Courtney Cronin and Al Michaels, the great Al Michaels. It was outstanding. Charlie Bevins, Tyler Aki back at the shop. Jeff Meller out here for Waddle. I'm Sylvie. It's ESPN 1000. Have yourself a great Tuesday night.